With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Kuchnerkavich, joined by my other co-host, Becca Gillen, and Adam Peterson is also here with us. How are the both of you doing today? Doing well, living this quarantine life and trying to stay at home and away from as many people as possible right now. Where I work is completely closed, so we are working remotely, and so I'm pretty much just living in my apartment by myself right now. Yeah, this is uh, just standard for me because I'm just I'm a online student and uh, stay-at-home dad. So, like, my life hasn't really changed that much uh, as far as the day-to-day goes, um, except for you know we just got a big uh, annual March snowstorm here in Denver. So, uh, staying warm is just as much on my mind as uh, staying safe. Let me check what the high temperature was today in Detroit, because it was very warm this morning. Um, definitely yeah, no you, snow. Yeah, you rub it in. That's fine. Go for it. I think I have, I'm pretty sure I have like four inches of snow on my balcony right now. Yeah, it got to 66, but it's down to 46 now. I'm out at my parents' place in Aurora, and they've got probably six inches, uh, maybe more than that. So, uh, So, yeah, but you know, it's... It's March in Colorado. That's what happens. We're not jealous at all. Yeah. I will say, though, you, uh, you might want to be careful. I've, I've heard that in light of the quarantine, people are uh, betting on highs and lows of, the, uh, of daily weather reports in various cities just as a, uh, you know, because apparently gamblers cannot cope without having sports to bet on. Yeah. Speaking of no sports, let's get into things and talk about what everything looks like right now for the Rockies. Now that there's a suspension of spring training, what does that actually mean for the roster for the entire season? And what does it look like for some of those non-roster guys? I just have a big idea that a big idea. I don't know why I said that, but an idea that it's going to affect a lot of these players and their momentum. Um, I know there are guys that were non-roster invitees, and I know that we have guys that are out of options. So this was a big spring for them to prove themselves. And now that we don't have spring training and a delay of the season, what do you guys think that's going to look like for some of these guys? I read an article, pretty sure it's The Athletic. Yeah, Eno Saris wrote an article about how to avoid a possible injury spike among major league pitchers because pitchers are obviously the ones you're most concerned about uh, having to ramp up their uh, their throwing and everything. And then uh, now that we have a delay like this, they're going to have to deal with a three-week spring training once again. And there is a potential risk for injury. And one of the experts that Saris spoke to said that there was probably going to be more Tommy John surgeries this year. That's fascinating. I never even thought of it 
that way. Um, so a couple of the pitchers right now that are on my mind are a couple that don't have options anymore. And I know during our spring training episode, we talked a lot about Jeff Hoffman, but one player that we didn't really talk a whole lot about was Yancy Almonte, who is also out of options. Do we think that those two pitchers can ramp back up and maybe perform well enough to make the roster once the, the spring training 2.0 starts again? Yeah, so three weeks is the minimum, I would say, that is necessary for these pitchers to ramp back up. But it's still, it's interesting because we've had the off season, then we had half of the spring training where they got their work in, and now we're kind of in that moment again where we don't know what's going on. But then um, I believe it was Bud Black who was quoted as saying that to treat this time kind of like the December-January period, and I guess that's what they're going to have to do now. Yeah, so as far as Yancey goes, he's he kind of had a uh, not great spring training so far. So he, uh, so if anything, this might help him. And we talked on the last podcast, too, about how um, uh, Jeff Hoffman was kind of struggling a little bit. So in a weird way, this might help the two of them. Um, because if, let's say, we get into uh, – you know, May or June is when they start doing the um, the spring training uh, to Electric Boogaloo, and they, you know, gives them a chance to reset a little bit and gives them a chance to work on some stuff, uh, maybe figure out what wasn't working, and it gives them actually a second chance to improve on what they had done. Um, now, whether they take that and run with it or not, like, it, it, you know, hard to say, obviously, like, you know, it's so in the future, but... Uh, but yeah, in, in a weird way, it might actually help those guys. Again, assuming, you know, like you said, Ben, talking about um, injuries and uh, assuming that these pitchers are able to do something to maintain some arm strength uh, before they have to, you know, start ramping back up again. I know they closed the spring training facility to players based on what the Maricopa County, all that there was some sort of regulation where they had to close it. But I know one of the MLB directives was to maintain some sort of facility for players to work out. So I believe I heard that they are opening up Coors Field for players to come work out. Do we anticipate some of those pitchers to hang out in Denver or do we expect them to go home? I think the only person I've seen so far say that they're coming to Denver was Charlie Blackman. And I don't know if that's specifically so he has access to the facility or what. I just saw some Instagram stories yesterday with him and his wife. They were driving to Denver. So I think they're going to be utilizing Coors Field to some extent. But I don't know about any of these pitchers and what their plans are. Well, the snow <laughs> needs to melt first. Well, it, it's an interesting question because it's whether whether they are going to be using the facilities you know, underneath the stadium. Um you know, behind the clubhouses or if they're going to get out on the field and get into the bullpens. Uh, so, yes, the snow needs to melt if they're going to get out on the field. And I'm sure guys like Charlie are like, it's probably better to go run the outfield track than it is to run on a treadmill or like to, you know, do some long toss uh, out across right field rather than trying to do it. You know, there's no place inside where they could do a long toss like that. I think pitchers, it would be better if they could come up to the come up to Denver 
um, because I'm pretty sure that they have tunnels underneath the stadium on the home and away side. So frankly, like they have a lot of space to accommodate multiple, uh, you know, a lot of pitchers working. Um, and I say that not having a full understanding of how big those uh, areas are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a while since I did, did one of those tours <laughs> to see what those facilities look like. Yeah, I think it would be wise for pitchers to be in Denver because you have the altitude to work with. So you're actually prepping for what a real season game would look like. But I don't know if all the position players or if catchers are making their way here. And I think that makes things a little bit harder for pitchers. Even if we have um, bullpen coaches or coaches nearby, I think it's just going to be hard in general with the team not really being mandated to come to Denver, but really just kind of spread out. And then I wonder what it looks like for some of the guys like, you know, Elias Diaz, Drew Butera, who are trying to make the team. Are they going to come to Denver to make sure they're doing that? Or are they going to stay in their respective off-season homes and just keep working out that way? It's just an interesting time for baseball and sports in general. Yeah, it's, it's almost like one of those situations where – like you're in, you're on the high school team and uh, you know, you've got those no touch periods or you've got those optional practices in the off season that are like, you know, everyone knows they're not really optional, but like they're they are officially optional, and so it'll be interesting to see which guys treat the, you know, you can't man the lack of a mandate like uh, as an opportunity like that, like Diaz or Butera saying like, oh, I want to be as close to the team as possible, or how many guys like. You know, I'm sure some of these guys who are more established players like probably have at least some kind of uh, facility, at, you know, at their house, or maybe there's a uh, a baseball gym near them that uh, that's close to the public that they could have access to. Um, you know, depending on where they are, where they're from. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting dynamic. You also got to think some of these guys like might not want to, you know, bring their family like might want to keep their families close to home or where, you know, wherever they make their home in the off season. And maybe those guys would rather just work out by themselves because they don't want to risk, you know, getting infected or getting their families infected. I mean, like it's, there's so many factors here. It's, it's kind of hard to keep them straight. Right. And there are international travel restrictions too, for especially we've heard about the Venezuelan players. Elias Diaz is from Venezuela. I'm not sure exactly where he makes his home during the off season, but that's maybe more incentive for him to be practicing at Coors Field right now because he can't do it in Arizona. Maybe he can't do it back yeah. in his home. I bet in you Venezuela. Kyle will come back to Denver. Yeah. <laughs> that would make sense since it you know, hometown kid. So the other thing that I really want to process through all of this is what does it look like for the roster for like the non roster invitees who are invitees that are trying to make the team. I know we talked a little bit just now about, you know, Diaz and Butera, but what about, you know, Chris Owings? He had a rough start to spring and then he really turned things around and was on a great momentum. And then he left for paternity leave and I was wondering what things were going to look like for him when he came back. And then he came back, I think, for one game before all of this went down and they suspended spring training. So what does it look like for him? Is he going to lose momentum? Is he going to be able to gain that back? Is he going to make the roster? Or is it going to be somebody like Josh Fuentes that beats him out? 
it's really, really hard to tell right now, but it's a fascinating thought to know, you know, he really did start out pretty rough. Um, I didn't think he was going to make the team and then he improved and I thought, well, maybe he will make the roster now, but with this, you know, suspension, there's no active workouts. There's no games. What is it going to look like for him? Do you guys have any thoughts? I still think Fuentes has a better shot of making the roster than Owings even before any of this happened. Bud Black obviously wanted to see what he could get from Owings because he played him quite a bit and at a lot of different positions. But I still think Fuentes yeah, again, is like the upper Owings, hand. We talked about this in our last podcast. You know, Owings is kind of like the Michael Saunders of this year where you know it's a guy who's trying to catch on with another team. And so Bud Black, like, here, I'm going to play you and give you a chance not only to show us what you got, but to show other teams who might be interested in your services, who, you know, Show them what you've got. So in the same way that I think uh, uh, Hoffman and uh, Yancey have a better shot now of making the team since they get a, they essentially get a do-over on spring training, it's going to be harder for Owings. Um, you know, to say nothing of, um, you know, the gap of, you know, just losing time while being on opportunity leave. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of different opinions out there, but... Uh, as a dad, I just want to give a shout out to Chris Owings. Like, you know, he's trying to make a major league roster and he takes a couple days for paternity leave. Like, um, I'm sure that the team isn't, wouldn't consciously hold that against him. Uh, but also it's just that fewer opportunities to get reps and get seen. And so kudos to him for making the right decision for his family. But, uh, but overall, I think it gets harder for someone like him to make the squad now, um, to say nothing of what Bennett, uh, and that's that's just a, in addition to what Ben already said about uh, Fuentes and you know, Fuentes is younger. The Rockies have more familiarity with him, you know. So I think there's a, I think those non-roster invitee guys are um, on a precipitous edge coming into spring training, no matter what. And uh, having to do it over again is just I'm, I'm sure that's taxing for them. And I also noticed, and part of this may be due to the paternity leave, but Bud Black started to play his regulars more, and Chris Owings uh, found himself on the bench a little bit more towards the latter stages of the spring that we did have. I noticed it's, it seemed like an everyday lineup was starting to be kind of the goal for what Bud Black was running out there. Yeah, uh, but I don't remember. You, you were doing a better job paying attention to the spring's games than I was, but uh, how long were those uh, everyday guys staying in for each game? That's a bigger question, right? Yeah, it would depend. I think there were some instances even very early in the spring when Arenado wanted to stay in for a couple extra at-bats to compare to everyone else just because he wanted to. But um, that's probably like three Yeah, I was okay. at a couple of the games. Obviously, we talked about the fact that I was in Phoenix last time we recorded. And there were some games where some of the everyday guys were staying in only like three innings. And then there were some times where they were staying in through like the first six innings. And then we were seeing some of the younger guys swapping out at about that point. But usually I was seeing players getting at least two or three at bats, especially the everyday guys. Um, But who knows what it means now that we're thinking about it. Like, yes, the everyday guys were getting played a little bit more. Chris Owings was on paternity leave right towards the end right before the suspension and who knows when he actually got back to camp and if he asked for like 
a couple days of rest because he was starting quite a bit when I was there and like right before they suspended and then that's when he left for paternity leave. But the paternity the paternity leave I mean was a good uh, good thing for him and his family, but it's interesting because you can also look at Ubaldo Jimenez who was quoted saying like his wife is pregnant and do any day now. I'm sure at this point they've had their child, but he opted to not leave during the spring training and to stay at camp. And his wife knew that. So there are just two ends of the spectrum there. And it's interesting for these non roster guys and what the season's going to look like, what the spring training 2.0 is going to look like for them and how the rosters actually end up. And I know Ben, you've been working on simulations and getting ready to do games for the fans to enjoy since we're not going to get games for a little bit, but what was your thought process when you were building the rosters for the simulations? Because obviously we don't know what the actual roster will end up being. Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about the simulation first. And it's something I'm really excited to do because we have this miracle of technology and the PlayStation 4 and a game called MLB The Show 2020, which just officially was released on the 17th. I think it was the 17th of March. Um, the only problem is because we haven't started the simulation yet because some players like Gavin Lux of the Dodgers, who was, was he no, rookie no, of the year he, last year? He didn't get up until, called up until September, I think. He still has rookie eligibility, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's not on, not added to their official roster yet because there was some issue with the MLB Players Association where he didn't get his paperwork <laughs> Uh, that was in the reason time. why. That's so, so he's funny. not even. The, yeah. So like, even though they're they're like at, they're adding minor leaguers to the rosters this year, but even though Lux actually did play in some major league games, he's not on the roster quite yet. So what we're going to be doing is premiering these broadcasts. Basically, this it's like a like what you would see on ATT Sportsnet Rocky Mountain. Though I'm not going to say it's going to be exactly like their broadcast by any means, but it's going. We're trying to make it like a TV style broadcast, um, and we'll premiere them on YouTube at the exact same time that the normal games were scheduled to be played. So for the opening day, that would be March 26th, this coming Thursday at 2:10 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll put a game thread up on purplerow.com and embed the link to the YouTube uh, broadcast on there and you can watch it. Everyone can watch it in real time and then there will be the option to watch it later if you missed any of it. Um, so we'll have the graphics from MLB The Show along with the crowd noise, the walk-up music, the PA announcements, and I'll be doing some play-by-play in an attempt to make an authentic Rockies broadcast. And I won't be playing the game. I'll just be calling the action as the computerized versions of the Rockies and their opponents face off. But we do. I do have control over the 26-man roster, which I tried to go over with uh, my colleagues and looking at what people on Twitter had to say. So, do you want me to go through the whole uh, the whole roster? Do I you think want to we break could it probably break bit? it down between. You know, there are certain guys that we obviously know we're going to be on the team no matter what, like Nolan and Trevor. But I think if we just talk about some of those borderline guys who, yeah, like the may- last six spots on the roster, yeah, essentially, essentially who anyone who you had a question about, let's do that. Okay, we'll start with the backup catcher because I had it as Drew Butera, 
and Renee Deckert first brought up that she thinks it will be Elias Diaz, and Adam, I believe you seconded that yeah, motion. Um, someone, it might have been Renee, brought up the fact that, you know, Butera took a minor league assignment last year out of spring training, and so he spent a lot of time in uh, AAA, and the Rockies might like having him down there. They might like him working with those younger pitchers, like, uh, whereas we don't know if Elias Diaz would, would take that kind of assignment. And there's definitely more offensive potential in the bat of Diaz than there is in the bat of Utera. I mean, I oh, no. don't I mean, think if that's it was really me an making the roster. Point. It would be Diaz ten times out of ten. But you also got to think, okay, what would the Rockies do? Um, so it's one of those things. And in my mind, it would have been Butera, but there's also a point Renee made about how they want Butera to maybe get some experience down in AAA working with the pitchers there, and. Twitter was asked the question in a poll and the result came back with Diaz. So I was outnumbered in that line of thinking. So Diaz, <laughs> I'm glad I was outnumbered actually, cause I prefer it to be Diaz. So he will be the backup catcher as for the infielders went with Josh Fuentes. Um, I guess making it over who over Rod, Brendan Rogers, I guess, but that's mostly due to injury. Though he had, he did get healthy enough to play in a few games. I still think Fuentes will make it over him and over Owings. And then for outfielders, you have Blackman and Dahl are obviously going to be the starters. Desmond, I think, is going to at least start the season playing against both righties and lefties in left field. Well, that could change um, depending on how things go. And for the other two, I have Rymel Tapia. He's out of options, so that gives him a good chance to make it. And then Sam Hilliard, I have him making it over. I guess Jonathan Daza would be the other option. But I think Hilliard showed enough that he will make it. I also have Garrett Hampson on there as kind of the utility player. So what do you guys think about those offensive I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Garrett Hampson being the utility guy makes more sense right now. I mean, I know he can be in the outfield and play a little bit of infield. So that provides depth for both areas, especially if he can get his bat a little bit more alive. I think that would be very, very helpful. But I do foresee Desmond starting at least for the first part of the season. And if he doesn't perform well, I think we could see those younger guys taking the spot. But I think Sam Hilliard would probably make it over Daza, but they could always flip-flop later in the season, but I think starting out, it makes sense. I think Hilliard did enough in September last year. Like, I'm not aware of uh, how well he was doing in the spring, but I, I think I think it would be hard to put anyone other than Hilliard on the roster. Um, even, it, you know, to say whatever, uh, you know, say what you want about Daza. Like, you know, he's got, he's got the experience. Uh, Actually, I don't even know now that I'm saying it. Like, how did Daza do in the spring? Like, I feel like he struggled a lot last year, too, whenever he did get a chance. I believe Daza was, at least had a higher average than Hilliard this spring. Hilliard was striking out quite a bit. He did have a few home runs, so he wasn't doing bad. He still got his hits, but he was striking out quite a bit. Uh, looking at the pitching staff now this is where things come into question a little bit because initially we had a starting rotation the first four definitely going to remain the same we got gray marquez freeland and sensatella 
I had Jeff Hoffman on there uh, as the number five starter, but here's where it comes into question because we have the bullpen. These guys are going to be the same. We have Wade Davis, Scott Oberg, Jairo Diaz, Carlos Estevez, Jake McGee. According to an article in The Athletic by Nick Groke today, he said Tyler Kinley is a lock to make the team in the bullpen. So we had Brian Shaw, James Pazos, and Yancy Almonte in there. Given what Groke is reporting, one of them is going to have to go. And that brings to a few questions because you have money you have to pay to Shaw, who is out of options. Yancy Almonte is out of options. Pazos has an option, but he's also, along with McGee, one of the only two lefties available. And he also might be the better pitcher of those three, Shaw, Pazos, and Almonte. So we took to Twitter to do some asking of questions. Um, they Twitter said that Shaw was the most likely not to make the roster of the three, that Hoffman will likely start the season as a reliever. And then I asked if they think Pazos or Almonte will make the roster, and they said Almonte. So that would leave Chichi Gonzalez as your fifth starter, and that would put... Pazos starting the season in the minor leagues and Brian Shaw being cut from the roster if we choose to go the route of what Twitter is saying. What do you think? I I, I want to believe in Jeff Hoffman. Like He's had enough good starts in the majors to, uh, to make me believe that there's something there. But he's had enough bad ones to make me question how consistently we can rely on it. So, there, so think when you put it in that perspective, like it's weird that I'm like, yeah, I think I would rather have Chichi Gonzalez as my uh, fifth starter. Um, that's a weird place to be. <laughs> um, and Chichi has looked good this spring. Right, right. Um, so, uh, so because of that, you know, that that moves Hoffman into the bullpen, um, and so that puts that crunch. Like, I think our best team is probably with Pazos uh, in there, um, but I think when you're making a roster. You uh, you have to con- you have to consider the forty man roster. You got or or at least or maybe even the fifty man roster. Like you got to think about all those guys who are in AAA, um, and if we have the ability to to hold on to Pazos by putting him in AAA, even if he's the only lefty there, um, uh, or even if he's the only other lefty other than McGee who would be on the 26 man roster. Uh, Shoot, because it, it, it's it's hard. Like I think, like we said, Almonte has had kind of a hard spring, but you know he could, you know, have a better chance in uh, spring training too. Spring training's revenge, um, and I think uh, I, I, that's not nothing. I guess. And one thing about Yancey's spring is that his ERA is up over fifteen right now. But he's actually brought it down from a point in one of his first appearances against the Dodgers. He pitched a third of an inning and gave up eight runs. So a lot of his a lot of his poor spring numbers are owed to that one performance. I do think that if there's going to be somebody on a long, not I wouldn't say long term contract, but still in contract being cut from the roster, it would be Shaw at this point, just because the Rockies do need the lefty in McGee, but. Shaw still is owed a lot of money. So I think it comes down to the fact of, will the Rockies continue to honor his contract and think about what his contract says for 2021, which I know last time we were saying that he just had like a 
a team option, but I think it's a vesting option where with so many appearances and he's pretty close to the threshold, I think, of where he was supposed to be with his contract. So you just have to be really, really careful with that if you do keep him on the roster and keep him on a really short leash because he has not performed well. But I think he would be the one to get cut out of anybody right now unless they really, really don't see potential with Yancey. And I know Yancey had a rough spring, but I have not been impressed with Shaw the entire time that we've had him, and I think that could play against him as well. Yeah, Shaw hasn't had a very good yeah. spring either. It's it's so hard that Shaw, like of all the Super Bowl pen guys, like Shaw was the one that I was most interested in just because he had such a track record of success in Cleveland. But, um, but yeah, when you bring up the vesting option, because I think you're right, Becca, I think it is a vesting option. I think it's uh, – I think it actually makes the most sense, um, especially especially if we think about this season. Like, let's say spring training happens, let um, in May, um, and once two spring two training finishes, we get a season that's essentially July, August, September, and maybe parts of June. Like, is it really worth it when you only have like eighty to one hundred twenty games um, to to even give Shaw? A short leash especially if you're thinking well we don't want him to uh to vest and also like it might <laughs> some of those kinds of things are like those types of options are going to have to be negotiated with the um players union i'm sure uh because you know some of those types of options are based on a full 162 game season well what is what do those things look like when you only have a fraction of your season um you know so there's all kinds of complications for getting the season back going and you know people are it sounds like you know all the higher ups are waiting to have those types of conversations but but again there's just so many factors at play here um i think because they were willing to let go uh to cut done last year that cutting shaw is absolutely on the table um but yeah so when you make that case i think it might be the right thing to do but just i mean who knows that that vesting option over a partial season is uh, is an interesting conundrum that I think wonder if that'll be addressed. You brought up service time, and that's an interesting. I'm thinking about Mookie Betts because the Dodgers obviously are going to want to keep him around. They gave up some prospects for him, and he's definitely going to want to be a free agent though. In what is age 28 season, so it's going to be difficult in terms of what they do about giving him a full season or not if if they end up not playing any baseball at all right uh, that's yeah if we lose the season like i have no idea what they're going to do with some of those kinds of questions uh because you're right especially for guys who are going into free agency it's like well they still have a contract because they didn't play any games because no games were uh were had uh but it's like but still everybody everybody is a year older even though exactly. a year of service time didn't get accrued so it's yeah Exactly. It's, oh man, it's, it's, I think, uh, I look forward to the day when those are the hardest conversations that we have to have surrounding this, honestly, because there's so many other things going on that's still kind of scary in a lot of different places. But, uh, but that's one of those wrinkles that's going to be difficult to sort through. It's just weird, like, thinking existentially about how everything has paused, but we are still growing older. That's just weird. <laughs> we never pause growing up, do we? 
<laughs> so back to the roster for the simulation. Are we going with what Twitter is saying and eliminating Shaw and having Kinley as a lock, or have we made that decision yet? I think Kinley is going to be on there. I'm not, and I'm pretty sure it will be in place of Shaw. But then with the Hoffman, Chichi, Pazos, Yancey question, I think we'll have to have some conversations about that. I'm excited about the simulations. Yeah. It's going to be nice to at least have some form of baseball, even if it's not real live and in-person baseball. Yeah. Well, and even better, we don't have to worry about Rob Manfred's pace of play problems because how long is each game supposed to take uh, generally, Ben? The show estimates 45 minutes, but it'll probably be, I don't know. It seems like kind of short to have a nine inning game played in five because well, that's five minute innings. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but it, it'll definitely be shorter. I mean, but let's, let's say maybe an hour. I'll look forward to doing that for an hour every day. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. And when we do, and we this, get to hear more of Ben. Yes. I'm excited to hear that. And we do get to have a little bit of interaction with having the posts um, up on purplerow.com as well as we're going to pretty be pretty much live tweeting these simulations as well. So make sure you're joining us on Twitter as we go through all of this. It's just going to be, Something to keep us occupied in these weird times. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the social distancing episode of Affected by Altitude. We have definitely kept a six-foot distance. MapQuest is estimating about 1,200 miles between us. Maybe Adam and Becca are a little closer. But yeah, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you guys listening, especially in times of a sports drought. We know that everybody misses sports, so we're really, really thankful that you're here with us and we can continue to talk about things baseball-related even when there's no baseball happening. Thanks for joining us. And one last note, uh, the opening day simulation of Rockies baseball will be on purplerow.com. You can catch it there at 2.10 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, March 26th, just when we thought the normal opening day would be. So make sure to check it out. Thank you for listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast. 